This podcast is for Miss Williams' AP U.S. History course. Chapter 16, Part 1, American Imperialism. Imperialism is a global phenomenon, but the United States does participate in it. The U.S. does not participate in the Berlin Conference in 1885 that separates the countries of Africa and divides them between the seven major countries in Europe. But the United States does participate. The U.S. actually starts as a colony, so early colonists experienced imperialism because the British controlled the colonies until the American Revolution. So the United States expanding overseas and participating in imperialism means that the U.S. went from in the 1770s and 1780s fighting against another country controlling them to being the country controlling others. A lot of this ties into the concept of manifest destiny and the idea that as Americans, they had the right and indeed the duty to expand overseas and to help civilize the world. Westward expansion in the United States starts on the continent, but then expands overseas. Uh, It also promotes the idea of Americanization, the idea that our expansion will help other people who aren't as good as us. One of the first examples of this actually predates the Civil War. It's 1854, and the Japanese haven't really been trading with the United States or really anyone else for a very long time. But the U.S. needs access to Japan in order to later gain access to China. And so the effort that's made to make that happen isn't peaceful. It's Commodore Matthew Perry parking American ships in a port at Tokyo, blocking trade and forcing the Japanese to trade with the United States. So we participate as a country in this very early on. A later example from the 1890s is the annexation of Hawaii. In the 1890s, Hawaii was actually its own country with its own leadership, but they're forced to become part of the United States. They actually are unable to resist the takeover. So when we say annexation, that's a very specific word that the United States kind of made up in order to make what was happening in Hawaii not sound like a colonizing effort. The United States wanted access to Hawaii for the trade in sugar, but also because it would supply an important Navy base for the United States, which would come to be known as Pearl Harbor, and give a crucial stopping off point for the United States in the Pacific, the largest ocean in the world. It would allow for refueling. Now, That all turns out the best for the United States, but the people of Hawaii are forced to submit to U.S. rule, and their monarchy is eliminated, not killed, but simply they're no longer in charge of Hawaii. 
a less aggressive tactic is taken in Latin America, it's not so much about controlling individual countries as making sure that Latin American countries are buying goods from the United States. So the United States has just experienced in the previous 50 years this huge transition from an economy that was based on uh, farming and slavery to an economy that's based on the factory system. And now that the U.S. is making all of these products, they want to be able to sell them to close neighbors to make a, pro- make a profit. Most of the Latin American countries up until a certain point had been buying most of their products from Europe. Now the United States wants them to trade with us. The Pan-American Conference is set up to lower taxes and encourage them to do so. So that's actually a lighter touch than you see the U.S. using in Japan and Hawaii. One of the things that makes a lot of this expansion possible is the expansion of the U.S. Navy itself. The Navy goes from you know, a small conglomeration of ships that we use to protect our coastline, mostly the east coastline, to a huge component of the U.S. military. Um, That's why the United States needs access to Hawaii as a naval base to protect shipments from Japan and also to gain access to other regions like the Philippines that they get control of during the Spanish-American War. Spanish-American War is another example of American imperialism, and it is chapter 16, part 2 notes. Those notes focus on the war itself, how it got started, how the U.S. got involved in the first place, and what we get out of it. So, As stated previously, the United States is becoming more and more involved outside of itself. And one of the ways that happens is in the late 1890s, right around the time the United States is annexing the country of Hawaii, there is a war happening in Cuba. That war is between the Cuban citizens there and the Spanish rulers who have been there. There's a very strong parallel here between the American Revolution, where the colonists are fighting off their British oppressors, and the fact that the Cubans are fighting against their Spanish oppressors. A lot of what we know about the Spanish-American War was exaggerated by the newspapers in the United States. So there's lots of stories of the Spanish abusing Cuban citizens and, and making them slaves or killing them outright. Uh, It's hard to tell how much of those stories are true because they were so exaggerated both by the press in Cuba and by the press in the United States. The explosion of a U.S. Navy ship called the USS Maine, which was off the coast of Cuba when it explodes, was seen as a potential attack by the Spanish. Now, there's no evidence to support this. It's simply speculation. There's no proof of exactly why the USS Maine exploded. Did something go wrong in the boiler room? Was there an ammunition shipment in the boat that somehow exploded? There's no real evidence one way or the other. 
But because the U.S. Navy ship, the Maine, was so close to Cuba at the time, the assumption by both the president and the U.S. press is that the Spanish were responsible for the explosion of the boat. The war declaration comes because of all of these components coming together that forces McKinley to act. McKinley declares war against Spain inside Cuba in April of 1898. The war is over by December of 1898, so just eight very short months later, the Spanish are defeated. Uh, The U.S. is close by. We send a lot of Navy ships. We send troops. There's some smaller skirmishes, and honestly, it's a very small, very short war. Um, The Spanish-American War, as a side note, is also how um, Theodore Roosevelt becomes a famous war hero, and one of the reasons why he's eventually named as McKinley's running mate for the 1900 presidential election. After the war is over, the U.S. tries to take control of Cuba, but doesn't have a lot of success. However, it is successful in taking over a series of islands in the Caribbean and islands in the Pacific, known as the Philippine Islands, which are just south of Japan. So the United States does gain a lot because of the Spanish-American War, but this war is a clear example that the United States is participating in imperialism, not necessarily in the way that they've helped divide up Africa, but in the way that they are forcing certain countries under their control.